1: This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Factor. If you want to eat better this year and are looking for fast, healthy, restaurant quality meals that are ready to eat and easy on your budget, Factor is the perfect solution. Sign and save right now by going to Factormeals.com forward slash TalkTV50 and use code TalkTV50 to get 50% off your order. That's code TalkTV50 at Factormeals.com forward slash TalkTV50 to get 50% off.
0: Hi, everybody. This is your cousin and you are listening to TV Confidential. And now, not confidential, here's
1: Cousin Ed. Ed Robertson welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential. radio talk show about television that will play part two of a conversation that began last week with Barbara Feldman. Barbara Feldman, the actress known around the world as Agent 99 on Get Smart. Barbara's new memoir, Getting Smarter is the story of her life and romance with Lucienne Berdu, a charming European to whom she was married at the time she began starring on Get Smart, but who turned out to be not quite the man he presented himself to be. This week, Barbara will take us behind the scenes of Get Smart, sharing a few memories of co-starring with Don Adams, plus she'll answer some email questions from you. We'll play part two of our conversation with Barbara Feldon in our second hour we hope you stay tuned for that and speaking of the swinging 60s later on this hour we will welcome back legendary record producer and music manager simon napier bell among other groups simon managed the yardbirds john's children diane and Nikki, and wham plus he co-wrote along with Vicky wickham you don't have to say you love me a huge hit For Dusty Springfield in 1966, that Rolling Stone has since named one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Simon will share a few memories about his adventures in the music industry and more when he joins us later on in this hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that as well. And speaking of the British invasion, we'll begin this hour by bringing you an encore presentation of a special edition of the Sounds of Lost television that originally aired in January 2014, in which Phil Grice and I brought you back to February 9th, 1964, the night of the Beatles' historic appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show as part of a special edition of the Sounds of Lost Television. Our friend Phil Grice, as he always does, has put together an impressive compilation of rarely heard audio, in most cases rarely heard audio. There are a couple of clips that are available in other forms, but all but two of the clips we're about to hear are only available because Phil had the presence of mind to record them as they played in real time in television in 1963 and 1964. And uh, many of these clips, they, they not only captured the build-up to the Beatles' appearance on Ed Sullivan on February 4th, 1963, but they provide a nice chronicle of the weeks before and the weeks after pretty much give you a good idea of, of of the Beatles' impact on American culture during the year 1964 in general. So we're going to be listening to that. Ordinarily, Phil would join us over the telephone because he's in New York and I'm in Los Angeles, but as luck would have it, Phil is in Los Angeles this week and he has dropped by to join me face-to-face in the studio. Good to see you again.
3: It is my pleasure, Ed, and uh, I realize it's been two years since I've... Uh uh, been uh, with you uh, here at the studio three years, two Ooh, years, three, 2011.
1: Yes, this is 2014. See, that's
3: what I said. <laughs> <laughs> time does fly. Time,
1: by. T- time, time, <laughs> time, do, time, do, time does time fly while we're having fun. But it is good to see you. It's
3: my pleasure. It's re- it's really great being back here, and uh, I look forward to uh, this uh, salute to. Uh, the Beatles fifty years ago.
1: Now I'm going to guess either you were a fan of the Beatles or you had a sense that this was a moment that oh, th- that this was a moment in every sense of the word. And being the uh, the television archaeologist that you are, you you had the presence of mind to capture it.
3: Well, I was not in that ten uh, year old to sixteen year old range, um, but in 1964, when the Beatles did appear on the Ed Sullivan Show uh most assuredly there was uh electricity in the air and i certainly was aware of this being a uh, major emo- a moment on television and uh, i watched the program and i did audio record it at that time it was it was exciting it was terrific
1: we were talking amongst ourselves before we started recording it's interesting sullivan was ahead of the curve when it came to the beatles in 1964 He was behind the curve 10 years earlier with Elvis in the 1950s. I'm I'm guessing he learned his lesson from Elvis.
3: Well, certainly Elvis Presley and his three appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show was a major asset to uh, the um, Ed Sullivan Show and to Ed Sullivan. So having said that, he was always on the look for any huge act that might add huge ratings. And when he was in London uh, in uh, October, end of October, uh, 1963, he just happened to be at um, the London airport when the Beatles were coming back from tour. And he knew right then and there he had to sign them up, which he did.
1: Which he did. And, of course, uh, I, I forgot about this. They made the, the appearance that everyone remembers in February 1964, but uh, they, they appeared two more times on Sullivan.
3: They appeared for a total of four times. Four times. and um, So we're even. We're, we're, yeah, we're both we are even. <laughs> In fact, just, just for the record, their first appearance was on February 9th, 1964. And they sang All My Loving, Till There Was You, I Saw Her Standing There, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Major moment. They returned February 16th. This time, though, not from New York, but from Miami Beach. And um, they sang this boy, I saw her standing there, from me to you, and I want to hold your hand again. Then the following week, February 23rd, appearance number three, and it's interesting, but this appearance had been taped earlier in the day on February 9th. So that was in the can. They, was that
1: was that to was that to accommodate a touring schedule, or
3: I'm not sure why they did that, but they certainly had a subsequent um, broadcast that they already knew was going to um, be televised, and they did two appearances then on the ninth before the live appearance that was put in the can or on quad tape. They then uh, broadcast that on uh, February 23rd. A big gap in time. They come back for a fourth time. September 12th, 1965, and uh, that was the fourth and final appearance. And they appeared um, on that show, which was pre-recorded August 14th, 1965. So we've, we have here a number of pre-records, except for appearance number one, live on February nine, sixty four, and the following week. Which was done for Miami beach Live.
1: i'm I'm guessing by sixty five sixty by sixty five sixty six, Sullivan was probably recording his show anyway.
3: Yeah, the uh, original Sullivan shows, and and again, it's interesting to note that Ed Sullivan had one thousand sixty eight broadcasts over a period of twenty four seasons. Yeah. All those early broadcasts were live. And through the 50s and early 60s, when they started to uh, videotape them. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I would imagine that the uh, last uh, shows in the mid-60s, those were probably the last live shows.
1: But even, even the ones that were videotaped uh, or taped earlier in the day, they were pretty much live on tape. So what was recorded...
3: Well, no, they were live. They came on at eight o'clock, and no, it no, no, was no, live. No, I'm, not,
1: I'm not talking about the Beatles. I'm just talking about some of the later shows toward towards the end of the oh, seventies,
3: mid late '60s, yeah. and uh, 1970. Yes,
1: whatever would have been recorded would have aired in most cases. But going back to how he was ahead of the curve with the Beatles, one reason why, and you'll get into this a little later on as 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 you discuss some of the specific clips we're about to hear, Phil. But uh, he. Discovered them while he was on vacation in the UK in '63.
3: He was on vacation. He was at the airport um, October uh, 30th, 1963. The Beatles had been returning from an engagement in Sweden, and um, they had been really uh, making huge waves with regard to their first album. Uh, it was October 31st, it was at Heathrow. And as soon as Ed Sullivan realized that this was a phenomenal new band out of England, he signed them up and and that's how that all began. Subsequently to uh, that landing in Heathrow, the Beatles continued their surge. They uh, did a uh, Royal Command performance in London on November 4th with the Queen Mother in in presence and, and Princess Margaret. That was a major show. That became uh, a yet another enormous television success, and then at that time in America, CBS and NBC, they are realizing something very big is happening in England, and uh, what is big is the Beatles and Beatlemania, and they send crews out to um, England to uh, to do some news reporting, and that's where we get to the very first television appearance. By the Beatles, and it was on the Huntley Brinkley Report. On NBC. November 18th, 1963 on NBC.
1: And let's take a listen to that report
2: right now. The hottest musical group in Great Britain today is the Beatles. That's not a collection of insects, but a quartet of young men with pudding bowl haircuts and who spell Beatles B-E-A-T-L-E-S. They were all born during the Blitz in the Merseyside section of Liverpool, the toughest section of one of the toughest cities in the world. It's anybody's guess why the Beatles emerged from its cellar nightclubs to national prominence, but emerge they did. They've sold two and a half million records, and they earn $5,000 a week. Not long ago, the Beatles arrived at London Airport after a triumphal tour of Europe and the provinces. They were greeted by their hardcore fans, the compulsive screamers, mostly female, mostly between the ages of 10 to 16. These youngsters paid sixpence each to be present at this event. Prime Minister Sir Alec Douglas Hume had hoped to use the airport at the same time. The police advised him not to, so he waited until the Beatles were whisked away. To understand just what all the shouting and screaming is about, or maybe not to understand it at all, One must take a good look at the Beatles and listen to their music. Whenever the Beatles are to perform, great gangs of young people queue up for tickets. These children camped out all night to catch the opening of the box office at South End, a working class resort. 2,000 queued for tickets in Coventry. 4,000 stood all night in the rain in Newcastle. Those who study such things say that at last the British juvenile has someone immediate to identify with, not some distant American rock and roll hero. This weekend, under police protection, the Beatles appeared at the Winter Garden in Bournemouth. There was a near riot. This is the actual sound of a performance by the Beatles. The sound they make is called the Mersey sound because Liverpool is on the Mersey River. The quality of Mersey is somewhat strange. sobering report that the Beatles may bring the Mersey sound to the United States, to which it may be rejoined, show us no mercy. Also one Robert Percival, an artist, proposes to capture the Mersey sound on canvas. Percival mercifully is deaf. Edwin Newman, NBC News
1: reporting. Ed Robertson remembering the Mersey sound along with Phil Grace as part of the sounds of Lost Television as we remember February 9th, 1964, the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' historic appearance on the Ed Sullivan program. The audio clips you're hearing tonight, courtesy Phil Grice, ATBAudio.com. This segment with Phil originally aired in January 2014. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
1: One more item if you're like me and want to eat better this year. Our friends at Factor have more than 35 inexpensive, pre prepared, ready to heat, and ready to eat chef crafted, restaurant quality, and dietitian approved meals that will make eating better every day fun and delicious, and your weekly meal planning a whole lot easier with no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup necessary. Check out that stuff by going to factormeals.com forward slash talk tv50 if you go to factormeals.com forward slash talk tv50 you'll find more than 35 different options a week to choose from that are ready to eat and best of all less expensive than takeout sign and save right now by going to factormeals.com forward slash talk tv50 and use code talk tv50 to get 50 percent off your order factormeals.com forward slash talk tv50 use promo code talk tv50 to get 50 percent off your order that's code talk TV50 at vectormeals.com forward slash talk T 50 to get 50 percent off Phil, you were commenting one of the most uh, notable things he said in that piece which is part of the appeal or part of the mystique or allure of of, of the beatles is that you can you can hardly hear them
3: Right, and and again, to reemphasize, this NBC uh, Huntley Brinkley um, news spot was the very first exclusive coverage of the Beatles on American television. Mm -hmm. And um, as we will note and hear with regard to the clips coming up, almost everyone panned the Beatles for one reason or another. They were not looked at as a long term musical group, they were a flash. In the eyes and um, of of many journalists and news broadcasters, and certainly Edward Newman personifies that. And I'll quote: as Ed just mentioned, he said, "One reason for the Beatles' popularity is that it may be impossible to hear them."
1: But he's been ages—fifty you know? years ago.
3: <laughs> Fifty years ago.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's.
3: And Newman also said, "Don't buy Apple." You know. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's that's part of the fun of of listening to a lot of this stuff. Absolutely, myself, because. Because it's a reminder that uh, attitudes change, cultures change, and, you know, people could be wrong about stuff, you know, once in a while.
3: I think more times than not, people are wrong.
1: Yeah, but the the, the other thing is not only did the Beatles prove to be very popular uh, in, in the U.S., but they led to, they were the forerunner of the British invasion on American Music and to uh, in, in a lot of respects on American television because especially in '64 '65 there was a sense American programmers wanted anything British and so that's when we started seeing imports of uh, some of the shows that originally aired on the BBC such as uh, The Avengers such as Secret Agent with uh, or Danger Man as it was known with Patrick McGowan and and, and shows like The Saint.
3: Well, they opened up doors almost immediately to um, the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. Dave Clark 5. And also, for the record, the Beatles were heard on the Dick Clark show before this news clip, but only a still photograph was shown by Clark. So what really makes us notable, we see footage of yeah. the Beatles for the first time.
1: Okay, so that was the first footage of the Beatles on American television was on Huntley Brinkley. On November 1863, three days later, there was another uh, news report on the on the Beatles this time on CBS.
3: CBS Evening News and uh, Alexander Kendrick opens up with uh, a report on the Beatles as well. and CBS News was out in London, just like NBC, but they were on three days later.
0: Yeah, yeah, those are the Beatles, those are, and this is Land, formerly known as Britain, where an epidemic called Beatlemania has seized the teenage population, especially female. Some of the girls can write, and they belong to the Beatle fan club. The Beatles sound like insect life, but it's spelled B-E-A-T, Beat, and these four boys from Liverpool with their dish mop hairstyles are Britain's latest musical and, in fact, sociological phenomenon. They have introduced what their press agents call the Mersey Sound after the River Mersey on which Liverpool stands. And though musicologists say it is no different than any other rock and roll, except maybe louder, it has carried the Beatles to the top of the heap. In fact, they have met royalty, and royalty is appreciative and impressed. Wherever the Beatles go, they are pursued by hordes of screaming, swinging juveniles. They and their press agents have to think up all sorts of ways to evade their adoring fans. Thousands of teenagers in every city and town stand in line all night to get tickets for their touring show. Girls faint when the tickets run out. Reporter Josh D'Arsa talked to the Beatles in their dressing room.
2: What is occurred to you as to why you've succeeded? Oh, I don't know really. You know, as you say, the hercules we didn't think they were a gimmick but everyone else said oh what a gimmick what is the mercy sound how does it differ from other rock and roll and pop it doesn't really it's just happened that all of a sudden uh, hundreds of rock groups all from liverpool made records and it was a bit more like the original rock and roll than the stuff they've had over the last few months. Hi. 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 So people decided suddenly, you know, there's all these Liverpool groups, so they call it the Liverpool sound and the Mersey beat and everything else. And the Nicky
0: Cough all Yeah, but it's it? just,
2: yeah. yeah. It's just a way of classifying it, but I don't think the music's very different. Do you have any fears that your public eventually will get tired of you and move on to a new favourite? Well, they probably will, but, you know... You ever think think about depends it? how long it takes
0: for them to get tired, yeah, don't it? it? It's it's stupid to worry about things like that because I mean it could, it's not worth could could missing me. your sleep for. Is it? No, no, isn't. no. It, it
1: could,
0: could have tomorrow,
1: it? and it could, you know, we could have a, quite a run. This is running. we just yeah. hope we are going to have quite a run. You're listening to a clip from the CBS Evening News broadcast of November 21st, 1963, featuring a candid interview with the Beatles in their dressing room before a concert in London, a segment that aired about three weeks after Ed Sullivan discovered the group at an airport in London, and a little more than three months before the Beatles' historic appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show February 9th, 1964 that marked the group's first live performance on American television. The clip you just heard courtesy Phil Grice ATVaudio.com. The segment you're listening to originally aired in January 2014 that not only commemorated the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' first appearance on Ed Sullivan, but also look back at how network TV news originally reacted to the Beatles phenomenon. We'll take a quick time out. We'll play more of our segment with Phil Grace. we come back